From the newsrooms of the City Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Wednesday, December 13th. Is our foreign minister about to jump ship? So went the rumours recently around the press gallery in Canberra. Elsewhere, too, people have tried to diminish Penny Wong. The fact that she hasn't visited the Middle East since she landed the job of foreign minister 18 months ago? It's just not good enough, according to the opposition. And why isn't she doing more to broker peace in the Middle East? But for a staggering amount of ordinary Australians, Penny Wong is something of a unicorn. Not only one of the most highly regarded politicians in the country, but someone whom they would happily have mined their children. Today, international and political editor Peter Harcher on what accounts for the great divide between public and political judgment when it comes to Penny Wong, and what drives the second most powerful person in our country. So, Peter, we've got to start with the rumours about Penny Wong, namely whispers that have been circulating in the press gallery that our foreign minister was on the cusp of quitting. So where did these rumours come from and what did Penny Wong say when you put them to her? Well, I'm not sure where the rumours started, uh, but I suppose the difference is, while there are always rumours going around in politics of all different types and stripes, some media publish them without checking and others don't. So I thought I'd ask Penny directly and her answer was her one word answer is absurd. It's absurd. Right. <laughs> I, I wanted to know maybe then if she was interested in a quieter portfolio with less travel, maybe a domestic job. But she said, I absolutely oh, no. not. I, I've, I've wanted this job for a long time. I wanted this opportunity for a long time. So that's where she stands, and she's she's looking forward to a holiday at the end of the year, but she's full of ambition for, uh, for the next half of this parliamentary term. I mean, she's been in Parliament in the Senate for 21 years. Uh, most of that time, she's been in the purgatory of opposition, so she's ready to roll and far from wanting to quit. That would be, a, as she said, absurd. And I wanted to ask you about what she still wants to accomplish, because one of her most noteworthy goals that you just wrote about in a column is that she's actually pushing for a two-state solution in the Middle East between Israel and the Palestinian territories. Now, she has spoken previously about what she'd like to see in the Middle East, but it seemed that in her conversation with you, she took what she said previously a step forward. So can you please tell me, what is she pushing for now? And how is that a change from what she's previously said? What she'd said to now was that some weeks ago, she first said that Australia advocated steps towards a ceasefire. Now, even that modest venture got her the criticism of the opposition, which edited her line down to simply Penny Wong calling for a ceasefire, which is interpreted to mean that Israel should stop its campaign to destroy Hamas. But that wasn't actually what she said. She had always said steps towards a ceasefire. Uh, What I would say is we all want to take the next steps towards a ceasefire, but it cannot be... Of course, there was a ceasefire for several days before the fighting resumed. But now what she said is that she's announced that she will be travelling to Israel and to the West Bank in mid-January. And what she said to me was that she hoped that that trip uh, would allow her to explore pathways to negotiating a two-state solution. Um, what, what we do know is that there is no path to peace in this region uh, longer term 
um, if there is uh, not a process towards a two-state solution. I, I think this, uh, and you know, that is something the international community, all of us, uh, need to support uh, and press for. So that's actually taking it now from advocating steps towards, <laughs> I suppose, to her physically uh, talking to the interlocutors on the ground to try to establish what the processes will be that could lead to a two-state solution and therefore uh, presumably, hopefully, a permanent settlement of the antagonism, the conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Okay, and I wanted to ask you about Penny Wong's upcoming trip to the Middle East. Obviously, there's been a lot made of it in the headlines, but she was criticised just yesterday by Dave Sharma, the newly elected state Liberal senator, and he said her upcoming trip is overdue and that it was actually unfortunate that she had not yet visited the region since Labour took office 18 months ago. So do you think there's any validity to that criticism? Well, uh, I have a lot of time for Dave Sharma. He's a very capable, very sane, very intelligent fella. But he is in the opposition and his job is to oppose and that's what he's doing here. Look, it's a bit inane. Other leaders and representatives of other countries went at the outset of the conflict. Uh, that's what the opposition here had called for. It's what Peter Dutton was calling for at the time, for Albanese to join that circus. But that was, while it may have been useful, symbolic demonstrations of support for Israel, it was a time where nobody was of a mood or in any way prepared to start talking about negotiations or a process towards negotiations for a two-state solution. It was really either to show support for Israel or just performative politics. So for her to have gone any earlier, well, first of all, you know, it's obviously, it's moot because we can't turn the time machine backwards. Second, it's, it's just I'm misplaced because the purpose of her traveling in a few weeks, as I understand it, wouldn't be what it could have been if she'd gone earlier. So I think that's the opposition just doing its job of opposing and finding, looking for fights wherever it can. Right. And I just have one more follow-up question, I guess, with what Dave Sharma has said about Penny Wong, because he has also just said that she needs to stop being an armchair commentator from Australia. She's got to roll her sleeves up. And specifically, he said that he wanted her, during her visit with officials with neighbouring Middle East countries like Jordan and Egypt, to identify how to fill the political vacuum that will be left in Gaza by the removal of Hamas. So I wanted to ask, is that a reasonable criticism of Wong? I mean, is that a goal she should actually be pursuing as the foreign minister? Well, the answer is if Australia is seeking to mediate in finding a solution, mediate in negotiations, then yes, it is reasonable. And who knows, maybe she will get there. When I asked her if she wanted to mediate, she avoided that part of it altogether and said she wanted to talk to interlocutors on the ground Israel, West Bank as a starting point. So we'll see where she takes it from there. And what do you make, if anything, of her in in her conversation to you to sort of avoid that question about whether Australia should seek to mediate? Well, she she simply didn't address that. And you can understand why. Australia has, just about every country and community has a stake in this war because it so electrifies opinion in the divided camps and the communities, the pro-Israel community here, the pro Palestinian community here, but uh, we are not a major player. Uh, we don't have a history of uh, as an interlocutor, and there are many other countries, powers with closer relations and greater stakes. 
But I wanted to ask you about something quite fascinating that you wrote, which is that for Penny Wong, there's actually a connection between what she's arguing for in the Middle East and what she desires for those of us here in Australia. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Well, the stated intention to, to visit and discuss with Israelis and the Palestinians, while it suggests seeking that the primary goal is to seek peace on the ground, but Penny Wong, she said it's not. She said her main objective is to preserve unity in Australia. But I think the overriding objective is we want to keep our country unified. And a lot of that is not just me or the Prime Minister. It's actually all the all, all political leaders, parliamentarians and community leaders. In other words, she's pursuing foreign policy in another part of the world in order to keep community cohesion here to, to damp down the raging passions among the pro-Israel activists and the pro-Palestinian activists. We'll be right back. Peter, I wanted to ask you about Penny Wong's popularity. She's currently the most highly regarded politician in the country on equal billing with independent Senator Jackie Lambie, as you've just written. And this is notable because it comes at a time when support for not just the Prime Minister, but her party itself has been steadily declining. So why is she so popular? Well, Penny Wong has long standing as a popular figure in Australia. She's, I mean, last year she was nominated in a, in a poll uh, by Morgan as being the most trusted politician in Australia. The readers of the Financial Review said she was the most effective minister in the federal government. And now, as you say, there's a YouGov poll saying that she's the most highly regarded politician in Australia, together with Jackie Lambie. Um, the causes, the re- although I should tell you, uh, the poll that Penny, Penny Wong herself is proudest of is the one where she was nominated by Australians as the politician they would be most likely to leave their kids with as a babysitter. <laughs> She said she took particular pride in that. It's certainly, you know, a great uh, investment of trust to leave your kids with a politician. I was really happy about that. <laughs> I think it was because my kids were young at the time, so people people knew that. That's pretty, that's pretty high praise. But the, yeah, it was my favourite favourite thing. The cause, the reasons for that, we don't really know. We're left to surmise. I just point out that she uh, is very restrained, very serious. She's not given to spontaneous outbursts. She doesn't get carried away. She doesn't do hyperbole. People seem to respect that. And while you might think that her popularity depends on sentiment in the progressive left, uh, because that's where she comes from in her own political and philosophical position, we do know from the polling that actually she gets respect and approval across the board in Australia from conservatives as well as progressives. So it seems she has a pretty broad appeal. And I wonder, is there some link between Penny Wong's popularity and her desire for social unity? Because she seems to be in stark contrast, I guess, with the opposition at the moment, in particular Peter Dutton, who is, I think it's fair to say, prone to picking a political fight. So I'm just wondering if that has a role to play in her enduring popularity, though, of course, she is not the prime minister. She's the foreign minister. But she does seem to have a very different tone to those in the opposition at the moment. Yes, and she has a different tone to many in the government as well. She uh, is just a very restrained, calm and serious voice. And that seems to, who knew, <laughs> go down well with Australian voters. 
And she did say to you that she was concerned about the reflex Peter Dutton has to pick political fights. Is that right? She did say that. But look, you know, this is the job of oppositions. Opposition leaders define their jobs differently from time to time. But Peter Dutton, like Tony Abbott before him, has decided that uh, he's going to be all fisticuffs almost all the time. This Prime Minister needs to stand up and to be united with the Jewish community. And he's not. The words have been qualified. I hope the that message uh, instead of telling the Israelis that they need to show restraint, I hope that she provides uh, definite support to the Israelis to wipe out Hamas because uh, that's what's required uh, until people of Jewish faith can live uh, in some peace within Israel. And that's what he's doing, which is perfectly legitimate. It's not unique to Australia. It's not unique to Dutton. So it's just a fact of life. And Penny Wong may not enjoy it. It may not always be productive for our country, but that's politics. And Peter, I wanted to ask you about who Penny Wong is, because as you've mentioned previously, she's been in politics a very long time, 20 years in the Senate, 15 of those, as you put it, in the purgatory of opposition. So what drives Penny Wong as you've observed her political ascent over the decades? Well, at the moment, I'll answer that in two parts, if I may. There were two reasons that she decided to sign up for Labour and then run for Parliament. She decided to sign up for the Labour Party when she was at a street demonstration in Melbourne as a student, and somebody else in the demo standing next to her told her that if you want to change the country, you've got to be in the room. And so she joined the Labour Party. And then later, she told me that when John Howard made his call to pause or slow down the rate of Asian immigration into Australia, that that really animated her and made her determined to enter Parliament. So that's what got her going and got her going into politics, into parliament. The second part of the answer, I suppose, is what she wants to achieve in this particular job as foreign affairs minister. Also as leader of the government in the Senate. But what she wants to achieve now is, as she puts it, to maximise every element of Australian power, to make Australia competitive for influence in its region and the world. Because as Penny Wong said to me, We live in the most competitive part of the world. And this is me speaking now, not not Penny, but if we want to preserve our sovereignty, Australia needs to work out a way to coexist with China, which does not involve China making demands on our sovereignty. And that's a big job. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. Sure. Happy to, Samantha. After recording this episode... Australia voted in favour of a UN resolution demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. In a joint statement released overnight by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, New Zealand Prime Minister Chris Luxon, and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the world leaders wrote in support of urgent international efforts towards a sustainable ceasefire. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Julia Carr-Katzel with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the City Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.